Welcome in to Locked on Knicks. Alex Wolf and Gavin Shaw here. And Gavin, we are joined by a returning guest, one of our favorites from recent memory. Antonio Daniels is back to talk Donovan Mitchell trade with us today. Yeah, the uh, the longtime NBA veteran, current color analyst for the New Orleans Pelicans. And man, he has some thoughts on uh, what a package would look like for Donovan Mitchell, just how much the New York Knicks should lay out, what the locker room dynamics would be after, and then a quick story on Manu Ginobili. All that and more right now on Locked on Knicks. You are Locked on Knicks, your daily New York Knicks podcast. Part of the Locked on Podcast Network, your team every day. And I think we see Willis coming out. There he comes right now. All right, welcome in to Locked On Knicks. We wanted to thank you guys for making Locked On Knicks your first listen today and every day, whether you're checking us out on your favorite podcast platform or if you've made the leak to YouTube and you're taking us in on video with the sights and sounds. We appreciate you guys making us a part of your daily routine. I'm Alex Wolf. I'm editor-in-chief of Nick's site, The Strickland, which you can find at thestrick.land. He is Gavin Shaw, your favorite play-by-play broadcaster's favorite play-by-play broadcaster, maybe your favorite color analyst's favorite play-by-play broadcaster. I don't know. We didn't ask Antonio. Yeah. And of course, as we said in the <laughs> intro, we're joined again by Antonio Daniels. So why am I still talking in the intro right now? We should get into this great insight. I won't hold this up any further. Let's get into it with Antonio. All right, as promised, we are joined again by Antonio Daniels. He is a color analyst oh. for the for the Pelicans and uh, a host for Sirius XM NBA Radio. Antonio, it's great to have you back on so quickly, uh, but there's a lot to talk about with the Knicks since last time that we were talking, namely yeah. <laughs> a little Donovan Mitchell news, you know? So uh, we'll just hop right into it. We may as well go right into the deep end. Where are you at? If you were Leon Rose, mm-hmm. the Knicks, you know, GM, president of basketball operations, and where are you drawing the line in the sand? Because I feel like that's a very contentious thing amongst anybody talking about this trade right now is where your right. line is. <laughs> for, for me, I'm, I'm, I'm going to get down to the Mitchell. I'm going to get him. You, you think about the New York Knicks, uh, Madison Square Garden, the Mecca, what they represent and what they need, in my opinion. They need that guy. They need that star. Now, Julius Randle is really good. Jalen Brunson is really good. R.J. Barrett is really good. Donovan Mitchell is on a different level than those guys right now at this particular point in his career. That's not saying that R.J. Barrett can't get to that point or uh, Jalen Brunson can't get to that point or um, different guys that the Knicks have can't continue to develop. Julius Randle can't get back in the, um, the good graces of New York Knicks fans and get back into that same most improved player all-star category. But right now, we are talking about the present. Donovan Mitchell would be the best player on the New York Knicks roster. Antonio, can you put Donovan Mitchell in context as someone who gets to see all these guys up close, as someone who played in the league for a long time? We've been having these debates all week. Is he a top 25 guy, top 20, top 15? Where do you see him in the NBA's pecking order? Do you see him as someone who could eventually be the best player on a championship team? 
Well, here's the thing about Donovan Mitchell. Anytime the Pelicans play Donovan Mitchell and prior to the game, we do our um, our research and our and our intro. I to me, Donovan Mitchell is a smaller version of Dwayne 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 Wade. I call him Dwayne Wade 2.0. That's a better jump shot, though. Mm. It is, it is lofty because Dwayne Wade is one of the best two guards. But what I'm speaking of is the type of game that he has, the way that he plays the game. Um, his ability to get to that rim, create contact, finish over contact, his jump shot, uh, the ability to create space. He has a lot in his offensive bag. He has a lot in his offensive bag. And the thing about Utah, they may have been good um, and underachieved over the past three or four years, but they haven't been a quote-unquote popular team. So it's not like you're not rushing to the TV to watch the Utah Jazz, even if they have had the best record in the NBA a couple of years back. You're not rushing to the TV to watch Rudy Gobert and Donovan Mitchell and Mike Conley and those guys. You're not doing it. So a lot of people aren't very familiar with Donovan Mitchell and what he is truly capable of. I, I will tell you this. I will tell you this. That, that young man got some stuff with him, and he still has room to grow. That's the thing. Like, he has so much in his offensive repertoire, and he still has room to grow. The potential is still there to become even better than what he is right now. Yeah, don't don't go saying that stuff about Utah not being a great team to watch to our boss. All right, you know he'll uh, he'll, he'll get on your butt for that one, David Locke. He, no, he no, 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 no. Like... I'm not talking about Utah is not a great team to watch. I know. I'm, I'm just kidding. About, I'm just kidding. It's, this is a this is a star powered league. It's a star driven yeah. league. There's no more star driven league than the NBA is. Yeah. One player, one player makes a heck of a difference. Yeah. And if you want to see that one player play, it's it's. I tell you what, put put Donovan Mitchell in Madison Square Garden on a night-to-night basis. Oh, everybody put him in the Mecca that. on a night-to-night basis. Yeah, that actually brings me to my next question. Uh, you know, one of my favorite parts of the last time we had you on was getting the insight of what it's like being in an NBA locker room, and mm-hmm. you know the dynamics that exist there. I'm kind of curious what your thoughts are. If you're the Knicks, is there? more of an urgency to potentially move on from Julius Randle if you get Donovan Mitchell, just based off of the what we've seen from Julius Randle this past year where he seemed to not enjoy a world where he might not be the number one option. You bring in a guy in Donovan Mitchell who's like a 35 usage guy who has never not been the guy that like is the offense on his team in the NBA. Mm-hmm. Is there something to be, and, and you bring in a Jalen Brunson, obviously who wants a bigger role, which is part of why mm-hmm. he came to New York instead of Dallas. You have RJ Barrett, who's burgeoning, like you said, into a better player. Is there something to be said for like, I, I don't know if I want to call it addition by subtraction, but like a messy locker room dynamic there that you might want to avoid as far as there not being enough ball. I, I don't think so. I, 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 and maybe I'm giving guys the benefit of a doubt, but I think Julius Randle felt like he was the best player on the New York Knicks last year. And the thing is, why wouldn't he? Mm-hmm. Honestly speaking, why wouldn't he? When you look at the way the roster is constructed, a lot of times when you have, excuse me, another guy that comes in that has that cachet with him, you don't have a problem taking the back seat. You have no issue whatsoever. Donovan Mitchell comes in. It's not like a, a battle back and forth between Donovan Mitchell and Julius Randle. Like, who's going to be Batman and who's going to be Robin? Like, th- that's the thing. I-, I think that Julius Randle has a different sort of respect. And, and this, it-, it sounds different coming from me. 
Julius Randle would have a different respect for Donovan Mitchell than he has for anyone else because of what Donovan Mitchell has been able to accomplish throughout the course of his short-term career. How do you, you know think? I mean? So I don't, yeah. I don't think that's a problem. How do you think on the court these guys fit together? Because we know Jalen Brunson has that experience playing off of a, a similarly like central star right. and a Luka Doncic. R.J. Barrett, though, I'm, I'm not even talking about from a chemistry perspective, just, just purely on-court fit. He got that experience last year being the dude, taking those reps, taking those big shots. And to me, from an efficiency perspective, having Donovan Mitchell can only benefit him. But how do you see those Agreed. guys all fitting together um, on offense? That, that's the biggest question for me. That is the biggest question. Come for me, it's never about the name. It's always about the fit. You know, we can throw different names into a, a hat and say, you know what, these guys are good, but do they fit together? Do their skill sets complement one another? That's the biggest question for me. That's what remains to be seen. Because Julius Randle plays a particular kind of way, as does Jalen Brunson, as does R.J. Barrett, as does Donovan Mitchell, if Donovan Mitchell is indeed traded. Now, how do you bring all that together? You know what I mean? Like, you can't make guys who they're not. That's why certain, certain free agencies or trade, free agent acquisitions or trades don't work because you cannot make guys be someone that they're not. If a guy's not a shooter, you can't make him a shooter. You know, if a guy's not a shooter, you can't make him be a spot-up shooter. So I think that's the most interesting question to ask. If indeed the New York Knicks do acquire Donovan Mitchell, now you have Donovan Mitchell next to Jalen Brunson, next to R.J. Barrett, next to Julius Randle. How do you get their skill sets to complement one another? I think that's the biggest and toughest question to answer right now. All right, guys, we'll be back with Antonio Daniels, former NBA player. I know I'm pinching myself, too, in just a sec to discuss uh, what a package for Donovan Mitchell would actually look like and uh, why Antonio thinks the Knicks are going to have to lay out quite a lot to actually go and get Mitchell before we wrap up on a quick story on Manny Ginobili. But first, uh, if you want to bet on Donovan Mitchell ending up on the Knicks and so much other stuff, there's only one place to go. It's betonline.net. It's the fastest and easiest way. To check in on all your betting needs, you can find all your favorite sports and events at the number one online source for odds, lines, and games. You can find reviews and news of every league, including Major League Baseball, NFL, NBA, NHL, combat sports, esports, and even golf. Wow, golf. BetOnline continues to be the top online resource for all your sports wagering information from live in-game betting, scores, and podcasts. They have you covered. They also have you covered with the latest NBA Finals, odds, uh, I'm scrolling through. The one I really like is the Denver Nuggets are all the way down at 20 to 1. That is intriguing to me. The Memphis Grizzlies at 25 to 1. But man, I like those Nuggets. If they're fully healthy, they're as good as any team in the NBA. So head to Bet Online today or use your mobile device to learn more about the action happening right now. Bet Online, it's where the game starts. All right. Well, I, I we've skirted the question long enough this is always what it comes down to and i know that you've taken your your lane of uh you know post playing career here and you're not you're not in a front office so you can avoid these sort of decisions but i have to ask if you're making an offer to danny ainge right now what is your offer that you're throwing out there and saying oh, this is the man. best i can do for donovan mitchell if i'm the new york knicks right now see the thing is i don't know what they have as far as Draft picks are concerned. Yeah. So but, they have you know, they have was, all their own. So they have like four mm -hmm. of their own first round picks they can trade. They have four protected first round picks of various protection levels. So they could do up to eight first round picks in total, even though some of them are a little more nominal first round picks than others. They have Emmanuel Quickly, Obi Toppin, 
Um, RJ Barrett seems to be off the table on both sides. Seems like right. neither. So, team- so this is how I approach this, Alex. Mm-hmm. This mm-hmm. is how I approach it. You know what, Danny? Tell me what it takes. Tell me what it would take to get Donovan Mitchell here. Let's let's discuss that. Tell me what it takes. Okay. Obviously, RJ Barrett's off the table. You can't trade Jalen Brunson, right? Outside of that, you just sign Mitchell back again. Tell me what it takes. Tell me what you would like. So you start the negotiation. Tell me what it would take to get. Donovan Mitchell to the Mecca and we'll start there. Okay. Uh, well I'm thinking, so if I'm the Knicks and I'm making this offer, I'm thinking I'm going to approach it and say the, you know, the Knicks have, they they could probably offer two to three of their own picks unprotected two Mm -hmm. to three other first round picks that have protections on them. And that instantly doubles the next best suitor as far as draft picks go, which is like the Miami heat. Uh, then you just got to say to the to the Jazz, like, do you prefer Tyler Hero, which leads you to the same problems of why they don't want R.J. Barrett, which is they don't want to sign someone to pay. They right. have to pay. Yeah, mm-hmm. they don't want to sign someone to a rookie extension right away. They want to have some malleable, you know, small rookie contracts for a few years that they can play off of. So then I say, all right, well, here's like Quentin Grimes, who just really showed out in summer league, and Deuce McBride, who, you know, is a decent prospect, and we'll give you guys, you know – if you want to reroute some guys like an Evan Fournier, well, I or mean, something. what's going to happen? You're mm-hmm. going to have to Emmanuel quickly, Obi mm-hmm. Toppin. You know, you are going to clear the cupboard somewhat as far mm-hmm. as depth is concerned. You yeah, know, I, you're not going to. There's not going to be a situation out there where you have the guys that we talked about. You keep Evan Fournier. You keep Emmanuel quickly. You keep Obi Toppin. You keep uh, Mitchell. You keep all these different guys, and you continue to move forward with Donovan Mitchell. That's not going to happen. Mm-hmm. You know, you're going to have to put some players that Danny Ainge is going to bring in, even in the Rudy Gobert deal. Mm-hmm. Even in the Rudy Gobert deal, they still got three or four rotation guys to go along with basically five first-round picks. Mm-hmm. So it's not just going to be an all-pick situation. There are going to have to be some young players involved in it as well. Yeah, I think I think the hope for the Knicks is that Danny Ainge is banking that those those picks, because of the Knicks history, are going to be better than any other picks that another team can offer on top of the fact right. that the volume is mm-hmm. good. And because of that, maybe you get away with trading. Just one of those young guys. But Antonio, w- one final quick one before we send you out. Had to ask you, uh, maybe my all-time favorite player, Manu Ginobili, it's his birthday today. I wanted to know, what was it like? I, I think you missed him by a year in San Antonio, if I'm yes. correct. Like your, your mm-hmm. last year before his rookie year there. Um, what was it like playing against that guy? Because I, I just, I oh, want to- Oh, man. Manu was awesome. I still see him. Or I'm, I'm in San Antonio. San Antonio's home. I still see him all the time uh, here in San Antonio. Great dude. Great dude. Great dude. Ultra competitor. And when, when you look at the Jokic's and the um, Draymond Greens, and what we're talking about is guys that were drafted second round that were able to eventually be um, Hall of Famers. Manu Ginobili is one of those guys you know, who a lot of people didn't know about. The Spurs do, did their due diligence on him. And obviously the culture that he helped continue here in San Antonio in the middle of a 20-year run, great competitor, even better guy. Cool. Well, thanks so much, Antonio. As always, we appreciate the insight. It's really great to get this this perspective from someone who has played in the league and and understands how things work at that level. Uh, so we really appreciate you taking the time with us to talk some Donovan Mitchell. And, uh, you know, we look forward to hearing from you again, hopefully sometime down the line, too, because we, we'd love to have you back. 
Alex, Gavin. I appreciate it, fellas. Thank you, guys. Have a Thanks, good one. man. All right. Thanks so much again to Antonio Daniels for hopping on with us. That was awesome, as always. I mean, he's just uh, – both times we've had him on, he's offered such great insight and, uh, you know, really given us that NBA perspective that we're looking for. And one thing that he really said that interested me that we're going to talk about in a second is Julius Randle and the fact that he thinks that maybe it could still work with – Julius Randle, Donovan Mitchell, R.J. Barrett, and Jalen Brunson all together on the same team. So we're going to talk about that in just a second in our last segment. All right, Gavin, we're in to talk about our final segment here. And this was just a curiosity of mine. While we were, you know, talking to Antonio there, you know, I I figured there would be at least one thing that we would be like, we got to react to this (laughs) because he drops really interesting you know, knowledge when he comes on here. But the thing that stood out to me today, I don't know what answer I was expecting when I asked him about like, essentially, is there enough ball to go around if the Knicks have Brunson, RJ, Randall, and Mitchell all on the team? Uh, but his answer, I don't know. It it surprised me a bit. Like he seemed to just kind of think like, no, they, they could figure it out. And I, I, I think the big thing that stood out to me that maybe we haven't been considering enough even though Julius Randle is technically older than Donovan Mitchell, I think that Mitchell has a higher like status at this point in the NBA as far as like where he stands in the overall NBA hierarchy of, of good players. Yeah. And maybe that's something that we've kind of overlooked a little bit with this whole thing. Like Julius, obviously, last year, I think, sort of took exception to the direction the Knicks were going, probably in part because it was like, well, damn, I was second team all NBA last year. And now you have a 21 year old like leaping me in the the like star hierarchy on this team and being the high usage guy. And like you're letting him basically like figure it out while I'm like not playing the same role that I made all NBA in last year. And rightly or wrongly, I think maybe that's part of, you know, what was kind of annoying him, especially down that second half of the season when, you know, the the standout moment was always the the Bulls loss. You know, where he was so, or sorry, Bulls win, where that he acted like a loss. Where, yeah, a win for the Knicks, a loss for Randall. A win for, yeah, win for the Knicks, a loss for Julius's ego, where he was so like angry afterwards and for no good reason, you know, other than like he didn't really play a part in it. Yeah. Um, I, I do wonder though, maybe Mitchell is the sort of player that Julius would be like, you know what? Yeah, I'll defer to you. You know, like you're a top dog in the NBA and like you're the type of guy that I could, you know, get more used to being a, a complimentary player with again, like he was in New Orleans. And like, this was something that you hinted at on our last pod or one of our last two, I forget which one, but like that, you know, maybe Julius, the situation is salvageable if he's willing to be more of a complimentary player again and like be the guy that he was in New Orleans sort of and be a, a pick and roll maestro and, you know, pass out of the short roll and, you know, Honestly, it might even help him a bit to be able to limit himself, you know, not having to do so much ISO and creation and instead just kind of be able to like run nice and easy pick and rolls most of the time. And then every once in a while, cross somebody up and and run an ISO and save his energy for those, especially like later in games. So I don't know. How do you feel about that? Like uh, and about just kind of how overall, I don't know if I want to call it dismissive or like confident or whatever that Antonio was of that notion that maybe there might not be enough ball to go around if all four of those guys are on the team. 
Yeah, so I think that there's two things going on there. I, I think you nailed it um, in terms of your assessment of Julius. And look, I, I've said this on the pod before, but maybe there, there are certainly points where we don't have enough empathy for the guy. And look, and like people are going to come back at that and say, look, if you're making 20 plus million dollars to play a game, you you kind of just, you, you go with, you go with the plan, right. And, and, and you stick with it and like whatever your team asks you to do, you do, and, and you go home and you're super duper rich and you get to play at MSG and, and you have a great family and like, and that should be enough. Right. But also look at human nature. Like all these guys have egos. You, you and I would have massive, massive egos. If we were in the NBA, you, to your point, you made second team all NBA the year before. And on top of that, like there is this frustration that I'm sure he had just with himself. Why aren't I as good as last year? I'm working just as hard. I, who knows if that's true, but he, he probably thinks that. Um, like, I, I I didn't get hurt. Like, I'm, I'm right in my prime. I'm not old. Like, why aren't the shots that were falling last year not falling this year? Oh, and then this crowd that I was, I was their hero a year ago. They turn on me like that, that quickly, with all the other issues the Knicks had, like the awkwardness of incorporating a Kemba Walker and an Evan Fournier. Look, there's reason to be sympathetic for Julius Randle. There's reason to think that any person, to some extent, would have reacted the way he would have reacted. And to that point, from a personality perspective, do I think this could potentially work? I don't think it's likely, just because like we we, we look at that bull stuff. That was terrible. Like It's just a lot to come back from. And I would imagine there's just a lot of, if not ill will, not a lot of confidence from like all the young guys on the team that Julius is going to, um, like sublimate his game for anyone. Um, but the bigger issue for me is almost the on-court stuff. Like Julius Randle is, and, and look, I didn't watch a ton of him on the Pelicans and Lakers, so maybe I'm wrong on this, but as long as he's been on the Knicks, he just hasn't been a quick decision maker. And even though uh, the, the guy who hates when we say in, in a vacuum is going to hate this, but in a vacuum, I think he's, he's, he's just a better, he's a more impactful player than Obi Toppin is at this point. Um, basketball isn't played in a vacuum. It's played with everyone else on the court. And the fact that Obi makes quick decisions and is inherently very unselfish. And honestly, the fact that his game is by its nature somewhat limited. So he's never going to have those. I mean, even if he got a little bit better at it this offseason, like when those other guys are on the court, he's not going to have it in him to say, I'm going to dribble seven times and take up 15 seconds and then shoot the ball. Julius, like even going off of his best instincts, is still going to want to do that. And if he's playing with Brunson, RJ, and Mitchell, at this point, he should be the fourth option in that group. Maybe not every night, but most nights. Um, I was positing this to you, Alex, before. I think the one way it would work is if Julius was willing to come off the bench, because I think he would murder teams coming off the bench, play 26 minutes a game. When he's playing well, he could close games. He would be incredible in that role. With the money he's making, with his history in New York, I just I don't think that's ever going to happen. No, I don't think so either. He would have to be at a later stage in his career for that to even be on the table. Like, if the if Tibbs and and the Knicks, you know, even if like the front office came up to him and was like, "You're gonna come off the bench this year," he'd be like, "Okay, trade me." Like, <laughs> he'd be like, "I don't care. I'm not. I will like." He might pull Ben Simmons at that point and just be like, "I refuse to play until you trade me." Yeah. Um, you know, I or a Harden or you know whatever you want to call it. Like that would that would be a huge hit to his ego at this point in his career. Two years removed from All NBA and all that stuff. But I agree with you. I I do think that if he was willing to accept that role, that he could kill it. You know, I mean, you could say that about a lot of players though. But like he would be in a a particularly interesting situation where it would probably benefit the team the most to have him as a creator off the bench that can just roast you know second units and just like absolutely eviscerate them um, because we've seen, you know, in minutes where he's gotten it against bench units, particularly in 2021, 
that was when he did a lot of his damage was when you get backups on him, like because he was playing so many minutes, inevitably he would end up with like 10 minutes with a backup on him and he would just absolutely toast that guy during that time. So, you know, I, I would love to see that. It would also take, I think, for that to ever happen and to even be like a real possibility, you would have to have a different coach than Tibbs because you would have to have a coach that would at least be willing to entertain the idea of playing both Julius and Obi like, I don't know, 60 combined minutes in a given game. I know that's like not that crazy from a normal person perspective, but like from a Tibbs perspective, that would be like the most insane thing ever to have them share the court for like 12 minutes a game uh, to get them both up to 30 minutes. But like, you know, it's that would be the path, I think, because you would have to be like, all right, well, we'll have Julius come in. And then if Julius gets in a good rhythm, you know, and can play off of some of his other teammates, like particularly if you could get him in there creating against the second unit and then be like, okay, now we're going to run small and we're going to create a lot of spot up opportunities for Julius on the perimeter. Like, Mitchell is going to drive to the inside and kick to Julius in the corner or Julius in like his favorite spot and like the elbow three there. And he's already in a good shooting rhythm from coming in off the bench. That's like best case scenario for his production, because then he can stay in there with the starters and absolutely crush. But again, it's like, it's like a total pipe dream. You know, it's, it's definitely not going to happen. No, (laughs) Um, it's just great to dream about, you know, it's like it, (laughs) In a vacuum, if that could happen and his personality <laughs> wasn't a thing. That um, guy just screamed at his computer. <laughs> yeah, there's uh, for anyone that's not in the know, there's someone that was like harassing us on Twitter and and on YouTube about saying uh, in a vacuum too much. I'm excited, I'm excited to get the tweet tomorrow. Let's get yeah, can't wait. Um, but at any rate, like, you know, it's uh, I, I think that that would be a great solution. I don't think we're going to see it. I think ultimately what is going to happen is whether it's part of the Mitchell trade or whether it's something after, I, I think that if Mitchell ends up on the Knicks, I think Julius unfortunately will not be, but if he still is, I hope that they have a creative solution and they have a, a nice talk with him about how to approach things going forward, because things definitely would need to change. And he's definitely not going to be like a 28 to 30 usage guy anymore. Uh, if that supporting cast is around him, uh, which they would be. So We'll see what happens, I guess. But do you have anything else? Any other thoughts on that before we sign off for today? I'll just say a final thought is that I think NBA teams like over and over again throughout the history of the league have made the mistake of thinking that talent supersedes fit. And I think that's true on the highest level of things like a guy um, Antonio mentioned when he was on Dwayne Wade, like Dwayne Wade and LeBron weren't really a great fit because neither of them were incredible shooters at that point in their career. By the end of his Miami tenure, LeBron was was certainly getting there, Um, but they were two of the three or four best players in the world and two of like the top 30 guys all time. So it worked out with with this. You don't have that overwhelming talent and Julius is just not a fit. And OB to me, especially if if the shots for real. And I think we, we both like the shot a lot. um, He's a fantastic fit around those three guys. And that it's it's as simple as that. Like you can take all the off the court stuff off the table. Like OB just makes more sense with those three guys. That's what I keep coming back to. Yep, I'm with you, and uh, it'll certainly be interesting to see how this all plays out. Hopefully not too much longer. I don't know how many more angles we can take on this before a deal happens, but uh, that would probably be Why is Danny Inge not thinking about us? Right, yeah, he's not thinking about the podcasters, man. It's Mm -hmm. not fair. He's he's thinking Um, about Chris Mannix, but he's not thinking about us. Not thinking about us. Um, At any rate, this is probably a good, quick opportunity before 
we end the pod too to just mention uh, we are going to be switching into off season mode soon. So, you know, instead of our usual five a week, you might sometimes only hear from us three to four times a week. I know everybody's going to be super sad about that, uh, but just for a couple months so we could sort of recharge our batteries a little bit. But uh, if a Mitchell trade happens, certainly we'll be on for five times a week or maybe even back up to like six or seven for a little while just to get through all that shenanigans. So don't worry, we'll be there for that. But I uh, just wanted to make sure everybody knows about the programming. You know, you might see us a little bit less in your feed for about two months while we kind of bask in the offseason glow a little bit. But we'll still be around plenty. No worries there. So thanks, everybody, for listening. Hope you enjoyed the show. And we'll be back soon, uh, whether it's three, four, five, or seven times uh, next week and beyond for you guys on Locked on Knicks. Thanks for listening. Talk to you all soon. Peace out.